brought to you by Uptick. If you've ever felt distant from your team at work, or if your one-on-one -on -one meetings feel aimless, Uptick can help you get on the same page and will give you a kickstart in forming better relationships with the people on your team. Interested in a free trial? Go to uptickapp.com for more information. In this episode, I chat with my friend Mitch Moeller, President and CEO of Corvita Medical. Mitch shares his leadership story from beginner engineer to chief executive and gives us some important insights on how to lead teams effectively. When you started your first job, where did you go, what did you do, and what did you get from the people around you to help you build your career? Yeah, no, great, great question, Chris. I mean, I, I started as a medical device engineer out of school in Southern California and um, engineer working for sort of senior engineers, working on designing medical devices and processes for making medical devices and worked with some really smart guys who had been doing that work, engineers for 20, 30 years. You know, they talk mm -hmm. about the beards. I mean, these guys were, right. you know, grizzled veterans. This is all they've been doing. And I, I started doing that and I was working with these guys and I like the engineering aspect of it. That's, you know, the, the technical nature of, of things. But at some point after a few years, I realized that there were sort of two paths for me at least. One was, you know, 20 years from now, am I going to be the grizzled veteran of an engineer and know, you know, sort of everything there is to know about a design and process? And, and I really decided that wasn't that sort of specialty expertise wasn't what I was most interested in. I, I got involved. I was fortunate at the company I was at that I got involved in, in, in working closely with the sales and the marketing groups. Mm -hmm. And I, I found that I tended to like other aspects of the business as well. Okay. Um, I always liked the engineering side, but I got an opportunity there. I was real fortunate that at the company I was at, I got an opportunity to, to move into some marketing roles and, you know, and, and, and use the engineering, but then also move beyond that. And so I, mm -hmm. I sort of decided at that point I was going to, I was going to be, more involved in a broader aspect of things in a company, but mm -hmm. not as deep. I mean, that's sort of the trade-off for me. And I, right. I knew that that was going to be the trade-off, but that's, that was the first step for me, the, the realization after probably being an engineer for five years or four years that, mm -hmm. that th there was a divergent path somewhat. And I'm, I'm thankful for the path. I like it, but yeah, that was the difference yeah. there. Sure. Did you have a manager or somebody in upper management, perhaps not even your direct manager that looked at you and said, okay, this guy's meant for something else. Yeah, I mean, I the, the guy who was the director of engineering was a guy who, who really mentored me and, and was nice enough to make other opportunities available for me. And then I, I created a relationship with, again, early on, I was, I was the engineer helping with the sales organization. And I, I created a relationship with the, the guy who was the VP of sales and marketing there. And I think what, what he recognized, or at least what we talked about was, I, my my personality is maybe not a typical engineer. I tend to be a little more outgoing than a right. typical engineer. A little less sort of you know. And part of it is I'm just again I'm not I'm not as smart as almost any of the engineers I know now. <laughs> I mean they're all a lot smarter than engineers. But but those are two guys who again they say hey you know you have the ability not only to maybe have the technical knowledge but also to communicate. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's why they gave me some opportunities outside of that and really. That's that's what made that possible. I didn't have to leave the company to go start to do that, and that was that was really helpful. Sure. Did you did, did they give you um, like direct feedback or constructive feedback or things like, hey, Mitch, you've got this natural ability, but here's some things that are going to help you grow. Did they take an active mentoring role with you? I, I would say, I mean, the, the the guy who was a VP of sales and marketing, really more of his um, 
more of what he did for me was was make opportunities available. So mm-hmm. I, I there was you know there was certainly some some discussions and feedback and and help with me on hey Mitch you should think about maybe this versus that and there were there were actually a few people in the outside of the engineering organization that that certainly I mean that's that's how I learned all of that right I don't have mm-hmm. an MBA so I didn't I didn't learn I learned that from folks in the finance group who were kind enough to sort of sit down and help me with that same thing with sales and marketing so that was really more in each of those areas, the skill sets of those. So, you know, I don't have a marketing degree. I've worked in marketing, don't have an MBA. Um, right. I have an engineering degree, but, but I have a lot of knowledge because a lot of people were kind enough to say, Hey Mitch, let me, let me show you how, how, what a P and L looks like, right? What a, there, there were some, some training in there, some seminars and things like that, but it was a lot of people who just said, you know, let me pull you aside and help you with that, with a, a specific area of expertise. Man, that's great. And, and so you're in this role. You're 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 playing the the engineer in the cubicle or wherever. You're you're designing yeah. devices. You get some opportunities to move up a little bit, and then somebody comes to you at some point and says, "Hey, Mitch, um, we actually want you to manage some people. We yeah. we we want it. We want it." Was that something you had aspired to? Was it something that scared you? Was it? I mean, how did you feel about that kind of that first moment? Like I'm responsible for these people. Yeah, I mean, actually, my, my first, you know, I had been an engineer there for about three years. And, and again, the, the director of engineering there was a, was a great mentor of mine, liked my style. And, and after about three years there, um, they, they went through a significant reorganization. He became the, the VP of engineering. And he called me into the, said, he called me and said, hey, Mitch, can you meet me in the office on Saturday? And I went in and met with him. He said, I'm going to make some organizational changes. I want you to be an engineering manager. And I'm going to have these people reporting to you. And most of the people reporting to me were significantly older than I was. Yeah. And I was like, uh, <laughs> okay. maybe not. You know? <laughs> and, and candidly, he did that. Um, and the backlash was was tremendous in terms of these people like, heck no, I'm not reporting to this young right, guy. Because they thought there was so, a hierarchy, right? And they were on the ladder sure, and you were at sure. the bottom of the ladder. And he jumped me, you know, sort of boom, right over the top yep. of a lot of people. Yep. So that was... That was a, that was sort of a hostile environment. Um, we we dialed it in after time. He coached me through some things, and you know we we in working with some of those folks, they realized that I'm not here to sort of stomp on their heads. Um, right. But that was my first foray into what, quote management, and it was a it was a rocky start to be very candid with you. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, and 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 there probably was no good way to do it, particularly if he wanted to turn something around. You know, yep. now so so let me ask you this. So so. I had a, a very similar experience, by the way, where I okay. like, it was put put in management over people that were significantly older than I was, twenty yep. years and more, and um, and and part of the thing I was thinking of at the time was okay, somehow I've got to build trust in them and help them understand that leadership is is not I'm smarter than you, I'm better than you, mm-hmm. I know more than you. It's a role, right? It's a yep. role, and that role has certain competencies that per- your your boss obviously saw in you. So how did you? build trust with these grizzled veterans and, and yeah. how did they, how did, how did they kind of land with, yeah, actually Mitch is helping me do my job better. I, I think you, you hit on it, Chris is, you know, one, you know, the, the acknowledgement initially that my being in that role didn't mean I was a better engineer than them. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, as I said earlier, it's sort of the opposite. I mean, mm-hmm. it was that there are other roles that I'll play. Um, but, but part of it, and I've always seen this as management, it's part of my sort of philosophy now, how I work with people, um, that are part of my team is, um, my goal is to help, help understand and make sure we're all moving the same direction, sort of help set direction. But then 
what can I do to get to remove obstacles for them to, to accomplish the, the goals that we're shooting for? Because at the end of the day, once I move in that role, I'm not designing a product. I'm not, you right. know, I'm not doing those things. And that's, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's what the company pays us to do is develop new products or whatever the end game right. is. And as a manager, to be candid with you, you're, you're not doing that anymore. I mean, no. your, your, your goal is to enable, make sure you're focused on the right things and enable the other people who really do it to do it. And I think, it was a slow process, Chris, but as we sort of work through that jointly, I think that helped people to understand the difference in the roles, and I think they became more comfortable with me doing that. So, Yeah, no, that's great. I I was just telling somebody the other day, I, I said, for me as a manager, one of the things I think about a lot is when I'm sitting across the table from one of my staff, it's like, my job is to make your job great. Yeah. Like. I you know you know to have you be fantastically successful because if you're if you're successful and if we're all successful together it's going to be a fun place to work an energizing yeah. place to work and we're going to do whatever we're trying to do in yeah. business you know making money doing yeah. whatever so so you kind of you, you start you're working through some of these guys did you have some guys that just were like no I'm not that you actually had to kind of eventually kind of jettison or or move them somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, there was one gal actually was an engineer, and, and when they did this organizational structure, she's like, I, I'm, I'm not important to this, you know, this Yahoo who's two years out of school, and, and they ended up moving her to another another department. I mean, you know, we actually are, I mean, we maintain contact over time. I run into her every once in a while, and, you know, it's it's all fine now, but at the time, and I get it. I mean, she was a 10-year veteran, thought she was an up-and-comer, and you know, here she sees this young whippersnapper. And so out of the gate, she was like, this is not going to happen. And I talked to, you know, my, the, the mentor that I had there at the time, the VP of engineering, we, we sort of talked through and said, look, we're not going to fight this mountain right now. We're going to, you know, let's figure it out. Let's focus on what we're doing. So we, you know, we did it and it's worked right. out fine since then. But yeah. So as you moved up the ladder and now you've got not just some direct reports, but now you've got managers that yep. have other people that are reporting to you. You've got several layers because eventually you become a the, the CEO of a, a, a large, a much larger yep. company. Um, how did you how did you impart culture and the way you felt about people and trusting leadership to them, empowering your workers? How did you how did you impart that to the people that that you were that were kind of running the show for you now? Yeah, no, I, I think one of my one of the, the leadership tools I use is. You know whether I'm whether the people report to me are in the same office or whether they're remote, but but I will typically have a process where I'm I'm doing a one-on-one -on -one with the, with my direct staff team, whatever mm -hmm. you know, once a week typically. And you know when it was with engineers, it was and this is a sort of a process I've developed over time. But when it was in engineers, you know we were talking about their tasks, their activities, how's the progress working. As I began to have more managers reporting to me, more of our conversations were about their team. How right. is their team doing? What are the needs of their team? And I think part of that, Chris, was was uh, you know an implicit sort of education with those guys about how we do that. And my focus again was the, the one thing I love about managers. Step aside. I mean, the one thing I love about quote management is it gives me the ability to be more impactful to a larger breadth of the organization. I mean, as right. an engineer, I can design an awesome product, but that's sort of the scope of my influence. As mm -hmm. you know, a manager of managers, you can influence sort of the whole team that that represents if you do those kinds of things. So my focus was again with them on, as I'm looking to them on on mentoring them and also on how they're working with their team. 
Um, also, you know, how can I eliminate your roadblocks? How are you eliminating your team's roadblocks? So sort of a by osmosis almost, Chris, yeah. you know, as, as we did that. I, there really is not, not a lot of formal training. I do, I do have a process where I also on, I, I feel like with a management team, occasionally you have to step out of the business. Um, mm-hmm. And whether it's a, a day here or two days here or whatever it is, you know, I've, I've always baked into sort of my processes we're, we're taking a few, t- we're taking some times away from the business, hopefully, typically physically away from the business where possible to, to talk about strategy and right. big picture things and sort of refocus. And I, I've just found that's been a critical part of, of whatever I've done. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah. when you and I chatted a little bit before you, you told me a, about a situation where you came in and you, th- you felt like things were at least in your mind, they weren't, they weren't being done the way you would want them to do. Yeah. And you went through a period of change. Tell, tell me a little bit about that. And what were the steps that you took to, to make those changes? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I mean, again, I'm a big proponent of, of team and of, of mentoring folks that work for me and how can I eliminate roadblocks. But at the same time, Chris, there's, you know, there's, deliverables that have to be met there's jobs that have to be done there's accountability that has to happen at, at all levels and i think those go hand in hand i don't think they conflict but you know when i when i moved back we moved to kentucky and i took over as the chief operating officer for a med device company there and i report directly to ceo and really intentionally on his part became the sort of the second in command mm-hmm. and when i got there um a good group of people but Clearly, there had been some practices in place over a long period of time at the lower management levels and others where there wasn't always great accountability. Mm-hmm. There were people, frankly, that were just doing the wrong jobs and people who, frankly, right. shouldn't have been doing their jobs. I mean, it was really. And, and so I felt it important right away to establish a new, you know, to sort of say, hey, wait a second, we're we're going to do it differently. And to me, there's there's always a balance there between, you know, being the being abrupt, but also um working through things over time and for me it was really a balance of both we came in we did an assessment we actually ended up letting a few people go where it just was not a good fit right. um right away pretty much out of the gate hard decisions to make but but clearly the right ones um and then with the management team it was it was setting accountability so you know the first staff meeting here's the things that people are going to do they leave they come back the next week that's accountability did you do what you said you're going to do well no i didn't and it's calling them out and saying, hey, guys, this is not the way we operate. Right. You know, when we say we're going to do something, we do it. Right. And there were some embarrassing, awkward, painful teaching moments in there. But th- to me, it needed sort of an abrupt, hey, things are going to be different. And uh, there were we didn't sort of sacrificially fire people, but it was we could have sort of spent months sort of figuring it out. And, you know, sure. there was a few things where we just said, look, it's different. We're going to we're going to change. But then over time, using some of those other tools to say, hey, this isn't all terrible. We're you know, we're going to get there. But but there was, a you know, there is and, and new. My recommendation for folks new in a management thing is figure out what your core sort of philosophy is and, and you know, engage pretty quickly on what it is. And, and don't don't depart from that, because, you know, whether you're raising kids, you know, once mm-hmm. you start to deviate, kids are great at sort of figuring that out and they're all over it right? it's like water they figure they figure out where the crevices and they go for it yeah yeah i mean there's there's this um there's this other you know uh this word that i I became enamored with called habituation so Mm -hmm. the the concept is you know you have that you're going to return that thing to the grocery store to the to the store you set it by the front door to do that and then 
a month later, you realize it's still sitting by the front door and you've forgotten that it's there, even though it's sitting right there because you've just become used to it. Don't and even see it. Anytime, yeah. yeah. I mean, anytime I hire a new person to work for me, I sit down with them when they start and I say, look, we're going to sit down in 30 days and I want you to tell me all the things that you would do differently here, the things that you see are rooms for improvement. Because I said, in 60 or 90 days, you're going to own them and you're going to defend right. them or you're going to forget them. But I said, I want to know what those are and let's talk about them and let's see what that is. So, so again, there's, there's, there were activities going on when I moved in there where people weren't even aware that they were doing certain things until yeah. we just said, I, I just had a fresh set of eyes and was able to say, why are we doing this? You know, and people I, would go, that's a great question. Yeah. So I love that. And I, have you been, as you've done that with folks, have you ever heard something that just made you go, you're, you're kid, I can't believe I missed that. I can't believe I missed it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm trying try to think of a great of a good example of that, but um, you know, clearly on most of it revolves around sort of bureaucracy. You know that we've yeah. that we've sort of you know companies are, are great at embracing their own bureaucracy, and you know, again, the managers tend to usually defend that bureaucracy over time because they were either part of creating it or they just again they habituation they got it's used comfortable. To it so, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I would I you know, but people come back in, and typically I get great nuggets of sort of ongoing improvement out of that of why wow, guys i can't believe we do that i mean a lot of it is in the, the way we process things you know you group a goes to group b then goes to group c and you're like why don't a just talk to c that's a great idea why don't we do that let's start doing that okay <laughs> yeah. and, you know process improvement right there yeah it's fun to be in a, in a role where you can a recognize that or actually have someone else recognize it chris i'm a by definition i'm a lazy manager i mean if other people can can identify processes that are better. I'm not a, Hey, I have to invent it. It has to have my name on it. I'm, right. I'm exact opposite. You know, I'm like, Hey, I like that idea. Totally. I don't have to figure it out. Let's use it. So I, that's, that's a big part of what I like. You know, it, it's funny you say that I, I told a friend of mine, I said, I'm just a thief. I just hear a great yep. idea and I just take the great idea and I appropriate it as my own. And I'll, I'll give people credit. I don't care. You know, Hey, this is sure. Mitch's idea that I got from Mitch, you know, doing this interview. Yep. I'll take it. And he said, no, 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 that's not the way to think of it. Think of it this way. I get my milk from many different cows, but I make the cheese. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> nice, nice. Oh, that was such a great deal. Okay. You, you said something that really struck me. Okay. So you're talking about the things that are important to you in with your teams and the two words that jumped to my mind and correct me if I'm wrong and, and give me some nuance were empowerment and accountability. Like, so you're, you're yep. empowering people to, to comment, make decisions, make process improvements, step up, be a part of the process. We're going to collab maybe collaborate. Collaborate's another word. We're going to do this together. Yep. But the other thing is, at the end of the day, I'm going to ask you what's your commitment for next week. And next week, I'm going to ask you, did yep. you did you do your commitment? Is that kind of a fair fair distillation of some of your values? It is. No, Chris, I, I agree. I think the one thing on top of that, it's it's the uh, another top or the other piece of it is is the strategy and the direction right i mean it's sort of right. tied into that but but either jointly or or handed down from other management or whatever it is there at some point there's a are we all moving in the same direction but i think those you're, you've hit on the nail on the head for me on those two pieces absolutely yeah so uh, you had mentioned to me before that you you there were some areas of the of the the business and managing where you're like man i i want to get a little i want to get a little outside perspective here and you had some come in and help you. What, what, did, yeah. what did they help you with? What were the kind of things that were that, that they brought to the table that, that were aha moments for you? Yeah, I, I think really two, I mean, there's two pieces of that. One is 
Um, again, back to that habituation. At this point, I had been, this was at the, the one med device company where I was COO. I mean, I had been there for, you know, two years. So I now had adopted all, you know, I owned all the, the dysfunction that we had. As all the habits. Yep, there they are. And so, you know, having, uh, in this case, were some really smart guys come in and, and look at it and go, why are you doing that? You know, and I was like, yeah, great question. And then the other one was, again, they had, they had skill sets and, and toolboxes that I just didn't have. And, and mm. so again, I'm a, you know, I'm lazy by definition. I'm like, I, you know, help me, how do those tools help me to accomplish what I want to do? And, and, you know, this, this one, one guy in general is a great guy that has worked with me. I've worked with for quite a while, had some great tools that he helped me sort of hone my own process, if you will, for leading people managing. Yeah. So, so what does a typical one-on-one look like with Mitch Muller? What some of your, one of your guys walks in, what are we going to do during this time? And what's the, what's the, what's the outcome at the end of this? We're both going to feel satisfied that this was a, this was time well spent. Yeah. I mean, it really, it really starts before the one-on-one in, you know, I will have typically some kind of a, a a management process, something uh, once a year where we're, we're planning the year again, that offsite, we're, we're talking about what are our strategic goals for the year, which to me is the definition of, we don't get anything else done, but we accomplish these. We'll look back and go, okay, job well done. We know lots of other stuff has to happen, but it's really, what are the, and it's boiling, boiling them down to as few as possible. We have, okay. what, what's mission critical for us. So getting the management team to agree on that and then getting each of the sort of managers to agree in their role in that. So that, that planning process, and we break that role down into sort of quarterly. So what do I, you know, as the CFO, what do I need to get done in Q1, Q2, Q3, and Q4 to know we're on track to get what we need done? So once that baseline is established, the, the, that's, that's sort of the baseline where we walk into our one-on-one. So when I sit down my one-on-one, the first thing I usually start with is sort of a, a personal check-in with whoever it is I'm working for. I mean, if they're going through a divorce or their kid has cancer or, you know, something else. Sure. We, we can spend all the time talking about their deliverables and their goals, but their mind is over there. And right. so if that's where it's at, then let's, let's talk about that. Let's get that sort out. And, and once in a while, that's all we talk about. That's all the one-on-one does is it addresses something they're working through. Cause if, if we're not doing that, then we're not, we're not, everything else is just blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Cascades right? down. Just, you, yeah. You won't get They're there. just sort of yeah. checking. And so I, I try and do a, I try and start with it. You know, how are we doing? What, what's going on? You know, personal life. And with with new people that work for me or when I step in a new organization, my first one-on-one is typically extended with them. And I, I really go through and I ask them, you know, what do you like doing? Tell me about your family. I take notes. So, I'm, I, sort of, so I know what drives them, you know, what motivates them. I try and understand that. And a lot of people are sort of scared by that at the beginning. Like, hey, what's sure. trying to do here? I'm like, I, sure. I just want to get to know you. I mean, let's so I. So I know sort of what their background is. I know what drives them, hopefully. I mean, I learned that over time as well. But anyway, I start with what, you know, where are they at today? And, and a lot of times it's, it's fine and we sort of check in on that and then we move on. And then the next thing is, how are we doing on the, the goal, the object, the quarterly objectives? And, you know, that conversation may be anything from just a quick update on how they're doing on those to are there any roadblocks that we have in the rest of the organization that I can help get out of your way for right. you to are there any are there any things that have caused this this goal to not really be a good goal for us anymore are we changing you know so right. it could take different directions but typically it's focused on that now again now and in the last chris probably five or or, or more years the folks who report to me are are fairly senior so they're 
I'm not sort of managing their task list. I mean, when I was managing right. engineers, we, we would go through their activity list more. Sure. Priorities. Um, but, but what are you folks, doing this week? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the folks here, they're, they're folks typically, if, if they're at that level, they, they, they manage their own. So we're, we're really focused on more of those topics. But the, 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 the message to them is, again, if, if we sat at the beginning of the year and said, these are important goals for us to make to, to be successful, and we are, we're not bringing those up in our conversations, sort of shame on us. We wasted the time sort of sitting aside thinking of those. So that's really what that engagement looks like. And then out of it will come sometimes either some activities for me or for them. And, and again, that accountability piece, you know, a lot of times it will be, how did I do on mine and how did they do on theirs? And you know, one of the things I learned early on painfully is it's really hard to hold other people accountable if I'm not. You know, I mean, they, they, they <laughs> did that pretty quickly. And I, I've learned that a couple of times. That's they're smart. So, yeah. you know, they're, they're yeah. like, well, you know, you didn't do yours. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm the boss. You know, that, that goes over really well, right? So, <laughs> How'd that work in parenting, like, too? <laughs> it's much like, yeah, I'm, I'm the dad, so you have to do it, even though yeah. I, I didn't keep my word. So you, you get it. Same same principle. Yeah, sure. it really is. You know, you, you and I haven't known each other a long time. And years ago, we knew a guy named Randy who was a, who was a marriage and family counselor. Yeah. And, and he said something to me once I have never forgotten. He said, Chris... When, when anyone comes into a relationship, any kind of relationship, marriage relationship, friends relationship, whatever, they bring three things with them. They bring in their personality, like who they're created to be, the, the stuff's in their DNA. They bring in their, their perspective, their experiences, the, the collective, mm-hmm. and they bring in their pathology, the, the sick mm-hmm. parts, you know, the sick parts. Yeah. that, and, and it's been super helpful for me to think about those three things in a business okay. relationship. Because sometimes someone will come in and they won't be meeting their goals. They won't. Their priorities are all messed up, and 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 I'm trying to figure out which one of these is it. Is it a is it an experience thing? Is it a is it okay. a thing personality wise, okay. or they're kind of like uh, Eeyore, or maybe as you pointed out, there's something going on in their life, either past, present, or or coming up that's yeah. really concerning them. So I love the fact that you kind of dig into that now. Go, going there though, there's there's another little pithy phrase that I've heard for years that I also like, which is what must be done eventually must be done immediately, typically. Mm-hmm. So you came into the the one role and you're like, okay, there's a couple of people here, they're not going to make the cut six months from now, so we might as well, you know. And 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 it's been my experience, literally, uh, that they're better off too, yeah, because they're not spinning their wheels in a in a place yeah. that's that's bad. You know, you're releasing them to go find another role. But when somebody's going Chris, through a that's, t- Chris, that's, oh. that's what we all say when we let people go because it makes us feel better. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. Well, you know, it's interesting because... This is really better for you. No, I'm, I know, no. It's, yeah, it's like... I know. I mean, the hardest thing that I've ever done is anytime I have to let someone go. But because yeah. but, it's not an easy process. And, oh. you know, you're, you, yeah. you got to manage that well, for sure. You got to yeah. work through that with people. So For sure. But when you let's let's say you've got an employee who's going through a rough stretch, you know they're going through a divorce or they're going through something that, that that's really difficult. Um, how do you process the businesses need to have them be productive, to have the deliverables that they're responsible for met, the salary that you're paying them, with yeah. with this season of life that that you know you're hoping will get better how do, how do you balance yeah. those things as you process their performance you know to me a lot of it um probably comes back to what kind of uh what kind of a baseline are we operating from in other words what, from our personal experiences together i mean if it's you know a, a guy who's been you know, I had a guy who'd been working for me for four or five years 
and you know they were going through something with one of their kids a pretty serious illness and you know he he had always been an outstanding performer i knew where his heart was i knew where his motives were but you know there's a huge amount of grace there it was look we'll 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 figure out with the team and your team how to sort of cover this over the period of time Mm. let's let's figure out how to make it work um so again chris because of the depth of the relationship and my knowledge and trust in sort of this person you know we we worked it out and and you know did the business suffer i mean you know were there things that didn't get done or that we had to figure other people had to sort of pull away but honestly most of the other people stepped up to do it because this this guy had developed a you know a, that kind of respect and relationship right. um i've had other situations where i mean literally you hire someone and there's always something going on you know right. and, and they it's really never been productive. It's always been a drama. And I, I can think of one person in particular. I won't tell you his name, but anyway. Um, Thanks because but, I'm know, actually right here and it wouldn't be Chris, appropriate. You know, so. yeah, you know, CZ, you know, <laughs> no, I mean, it was, it was, you know, after, a, you know, the first one, it was sort of, okay, let me, let me give you the benefit of the doubt that this is just a season, you know, let's, so we tried to work through it. And it was pretty apparent after a little bit of time that there was another thing. And, you know, so, so we ended up just saying, look, this, not a good fit. I mean, that this is let, let's figure out how you're going to go do something different. Um, so, Chris, it really depends on. I, I would handle the situations very differently depending on the character of the person and what we had developed over time. Um, and even with sort of folks I don't have that with, I, I this is just my nature. I would typically start giving them the benefit of the doubt, mm-hmm. but pretty quickly, you know, we we hold accountability on that because again, we're uh, you know I we're running businesses. I got shareholders and I got you know bosses myself that are counting on us to deliver results and you know we're this isn't a country club this is you know whatever it is this is a job you know right. it's a business so right. you know you, you got to hold people accountable. my understanding now is that your role is at a company that's a startup or or, yep. or you know so yep. what are the differences in managing and, and you have, and you have a, a dispersed workforce what are the differences yep. that you're finding in managing that kind of team and this kind of process as opposed to being the CEO COO for a much larger organization. Yeah. I mean, the, the job I was in previously, Chris, as you mentioned, I mean, I was, I was CEO of our division president and, but of a large organization and, you know, probably had you know, approaching about a thousand people as part of my organization in, you know, six locations, seven locations. So right. my relationship was with sort of the, 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 my staff was sort of the general managers of those locations and, you know, there, the, the conversations, as we talked earlier, uh, and the, the discussions in our one-on-ones are much at a, a much higher level, right? They're, right? they're sort of plant operations and things like that. And by the nature of it, both because you've got good people, hopefully, in place that are drilling down on the details, you know, rarely would we get into the, the weeds of, of what's going on. You know, when we had an issue, if we had a product issue or something, I would sort of dive deep at that point, but then we'd come right. back up and sort of operate here. Um, whereas now as even though I have very capable sort of senior people that are part of our team, um, I, I have a COO that I work with who's working on our manufacturing side, but I'm, I'm much deeper. I mean, I'm intimately aware of, of the details of our issues in manufacturing and others. And the same on the commercial side, I, I know with my, with my VP of business development, I know the, the key customers that we're going after by name. So it, it is much more engaged and, mm-hmm. and a much more detailed level, even though there's capable people there, just because it's so granular. This is what we're all about is focused, right. very focused on this. So it's a much different level of focus for sure. And do you find that the, that the, you, you feel that you feel the bumps more, 
more severely now than you did in the bigger organization? Yeah, I, I think, you know, in, in the in the large organization, um, the, the one thing that eventually actually caused me to, to, to step away from that was it, it felt more difficult to be impactful. You know, mm. at the end of the week, to be able to say, I did this and this helped us move forward. You know, there were those, there are those moments. And, and again, it's, it, it's not always as a measurable level. So developing a general manager further is not a check the box thing that right. you say at the end of the week we accomplished. Whereas, you know, in our business now, shipping a product or getting a new customer is something I may be actively involved in. And it's easy to sort of get those, those check boxes of, Hey, I'm doing the right thing or we're making progress. Sure. So the, the, you know, the, it, it's sort of like the difference between driving a, a Cadillac where, you, you know, you just sort of float along and you don't really feel the road to, you know, driving a, you know, a, a you know, a sports car where that yeah. suspension is really tight and you feel every bump, but it's, and it's a thrilling ride. Yeah. You feel every bump. So, you know, that, I just made that analogy on my own. No, I love that. I, I love it because I was in a Tesla this week, you know, the, the <laughs> Model S where, you know, it was zero to 60 in two seconds, you know, it was like, man, you know, my hair was blown back, but but I actually drive a car that's got a pretty mushy suspension, so I don't feel the bumps the same way. Um, Fair enough. But, but I'm an old guy, and that's okay for me to have a mushy suspension. Yep, so I'm not complaining. Exactly. So so now you're in this situation where you know to recruit people to do what you're doing, senior people, they have to have a little bit of a, a pioneering spirit. And, and pioneers, even professional pioneers, can sometimes be messy because they're used to having their own entrepreneurial gig going on. How do you... How do you herd the cats? Like, okay, so you get you get these guys. They they they're they're kind of wanting to go out there too. How do you keep everybody on the same with the same enthusiasm level, but making yeah. sure that we're working along the same lines? Yeah, no, and it, it, that's a challenge. Certainly, as as we're as you mentioned, we're not all in the same physical location every day. So, if you have an issue or a, a you know a, a conflict or a friction um, that can get elevated because there's not direct contact, it's just sort of take care of it, and move on. So that, that's a challenge as well. You know, one thing. We, we actually used a tool when I was at my previous organization, sort of a, you know, personality test, if you will. And, you know, what you mentioned earlier from Randy, this 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 study really focused on it said, you know, that the behavior of of people, you know, whether it's in work or otherwise, is really dependent on he had two things. He didn't have the pathos one, but really the other two, which was the way they're wired and the, the result of their circumstances. Right. Their, their right. experiences today, really the right. two things that you said. And. You know, but he also the, the the guy that used to the one of the consultants at this company as we use it for hiring and others said you know there's for to a certain extent a lot of this is hardwired by the time you're in the workforce I mean you're That's not right. even though your experience has changed you know you, sort of everybody knows their spots at that point and right. so you know his recommendation on using these personality tools and others was you know the that understand where the strengths and weaknesses are and then decide whether in the role that you have them, those strengths and weaknesses are appropriate and even workable. And mm -hmm. if they are, then sort of work through it and, you know, use some of those tool sets to help people understand each other a little bit. But, you know, the, the one thing I, I had a couple of people that worked for me that were, you know, sort of outside the box problematic. And, you know, I, right. I, I said, you know, what I sort of consulting with this guy and he said, look, if, if they see their behavior as problematic to their goals, if they know that what they do will inhibit them from getting where they want to go in a career, um, then you have a chance. It's not going to be easy, but you have a chance to help modify that behavior. He said, if they don't, if they think that their behavior is fine, you don't have a prayer. So either right. understand it and live with it 
or move on. But but don't try and then think you're going to change that because it's very hard to change sort of the core behavior at that point. And you know, Chris, I mean, an example for me is I I was coming out of high school into college. I was an introvert, very introvert, and I I've not experienced like, you that way. I didn't like the fact that 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 you know it, my social circle was small. I saw other people who were more outgoing, and and so I decided I was going to change that. Even though it, it, it certainly early on it went against my behavior because I wanted the result of that. Mm-hmm. So again, I think that that was my own confirmation. If you really want the end goal, you can be open to change. But anyway, so get back to your question. You know when you when you have people, the first thing for me is to understand sort of where they stand, what the behaviors are and do those behaviors, will they fit in that environment? Um, the, the job that I've asked them to do or that they have responsibility for. And then the second thing is where we have, where I have, you know, conflict, it's, it's helping both sides sometimes to understand, um, you, you, we all know those personality tests and others, sometimes they help us think, okay, this person's a detailed person. So if I want to you know, help them understand something. I need to give them the details and right. this person's not. So if I want them to understand, I just need to get the big picture and move on. You know, those kinds of tools can help. Um, yeah. but it's, it's a challenge for me today. I mean, I, you know, I got folks, it's, it's not always easy. I mean, uh, you know, you get strong personalities and driven personalities and I will take that over sort of, uh, uh or to, you know, or just, you know, uh, just people who are just existing, but, but it, it's channeling is always a challenge. So, yeah, you know, there's a phrase that I've used for years that my staff have heard me say that I'd rather give speeding tickets than parking tickets. Mm-hmm. So I like people that are out there, they're moving, they're fast, you know, and they, they, they want to go and they're, they're, they're empowered to do their roles. But you know, if, if I haven't done a good job of laying out the goals, the objectives, the big, the big picture mm-hmm. things, as well as what their boundaries are, well, they're going to take a what could normally would be a flesh wound and make it a head wound, and yep. and, yeah, and sometimes that's a that's a that's a physical mistake, but sometimes it's a cultural one. And I know for me personally, yeah. um, and I've interviewed a lot of business leaders recently. Um, the hardest thing is that that I don't think I've ever let anyone go too early. Yeah. I usually let it go too long, yeah. and because somehow I feel like I can rehabilitate this person. Yep. And as you're saying. Some of this stuff is hardwired in, and if they don't see the problem, you're not gonna. It's not gonna yeah. change, and that's really yeah. that's really really wise. Mitch, this has been a great time. I've loved getting to chat with you, and would yeah. love to would love to do this some more. So thanks for sure. joining us. Thanks for joining us on Let's Talk Teams. If you have any feedback for us, check out the show notes and pop us an email. We'd love to hear from you. 